As the co-founder and CEO of personal care brand Bloom, Tyron Gatrora is creating a safe space for women's health and setting a new standard of self-care. For more on this, keep on listening. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to collaborate and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guest for today, Taryn. Co-founding Bloom with her sister, Taryn is out to shift the narrative away from perfect skin to healthy skin. Bloom has a range of organic personal care products focusing on making self-care easier while destigmatizing topics like acne, puberty, and periods. After starting as a bootstrap company and finding success on Dragon's Den, Bloom has become so much more than a beauty brand. It's so education-focused at its core, thanks to Tyron's law school research into gender equality, and has truly created a space where people of all backgrounds feel seen and supported. If this wasn't incredible enough, Bloom also donates proceeds to Days for Girls, an organization providing young girls with education and access to period care worldwide. Taryn has, has advanced the movement of acceptance towards what can be one of the most vulnerable parts of wellness, and it's my absolute honor and pleasure to sit down with her today. So Taryn, the first thing I ask all my guests, and I'm going to ask you, is who in a nutshell is Taryn? Well, that's a hard question. Do people struggle to answer this? I want to see, I get like a lot of people have very different answers and <laughs> some people just go off the bat. Yeah. Uh, some people take a moment. It's quite interesting to see. Some people start it with the horoscope and some people start it with like their title. And I'm like, I find that so that fascinating, like where their mind goes, you know? Well, okay. Yeah. Actually, I like that because I am somebody that's always like, when I meet new people, I'm always like, what's your star sign? Or like, I'll like guess yeah. if I feel like they have certain traits. So maybe I'll start with that for your astrological yeah, people in your audience. <laughs> so I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> what are you? I'm an Aquarius. Oh, okay. So yeah, same month as me. Yep. Yeah. I feel like Capricorns and Aquariuses have some similar qualities. I'm either like all in on things like obsessed or it just kind of can't keep my attention, I guess. So I feel like that's kind of a Capricorn trait. Um, so I'm pretty dedicated once I start something. I'm like, you know, I don't like taking no for an answer. It's kind of an entrepreneurial trait, but um, I'm someone that really likes like nature, spending time with family, puppies. I think being a founder has also really taught me to appreciate those simple things and like time more than anything. And I feel like before I was a founder, I wasn't as present in my life as I am now in different situations. I don't know if you feel that, but like when I'm with family, I don't, don't like to be on my phone or like even with friends at dinner. Um, Whereas I feel like pre being a founder, I maybe I didn't realize the value of, of time as much. Um, well, also we're going to get into in the podcast, but there's, I mean, you're so many things as well, because when I was doing my research and um, we were working on like this kind of initial like opening, I was like, how do I condense this? There's just so much great things that you've already accomplished that I was like, this is going to make for a really cool episode. Um, so I'm going to also give you a chance to, you know, explain a bit more about yourself through as we go kind of in the journey of Taryn. Um, but I think I want to start at the beginning. So like you, you grew up in Canada, right? Yeah. And what was that like? Um, and initially, like tell us a bit about like kind of the experiences you had growing up in Canada and how some of those initial kind of learnings got you into where you are today. Yeah. So I grew up in Canada, second generation. My parents immigrated from actually, my mom was from the UK and my dad's from India. So it was fun. Like when we were younger, we did travel back and forth to both the UK and India quite a bit. Um, I feel like it really made me, I got my work ethic from seeing my parents um, just be super hardworking. My dad was quite entrepreneurial. Um, but growing up in Canada, I mean, it was great. It's very diverse in Canada um, where I live, especially um, like the nature is amazing. So lots of like outdoor things. I feel like that really like kind of helps to shape like who you become. Um, I would also say though it's very different from the U.S. in a lot of ways where you're, you're not really 
taught to dream as big as maybe in the U.S. Canada's a very, like, reasonable country. It's like, you don't really hear people say, like, I want to start a big business. Like, maybe now, I think, as, like, it's become more um, accessible entrepreneurship. But I think growing up, it wasn't really something that you talk about at school or anything like that. So I always thought that I would be a human rights lawyer. I went to law school um, in the U.K., actually. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing growing up in Canada. And how many siblings do you have? Are you, is it just you and your sister? Yeah, so I have, my sister is my co-founder um, at Bloom. Her name is Bunny. And then I have another sibling as well. His name's Sal and he's our younger brother. Okay, so what was, because I, I obviously ask, because we're both sibling founded brands. Um, what was it like working with, you know, your sister Bunny and also, um, not working, sorry. What was it like growing up with your sister Bunny and also your brother too? And did you ever fathom going into business with her? I, I don't think it was ever our dream to start like a brand or anything like that. I don't think we ever talked about that growing up, but we did do everything together. Like my siblings and I were very close and my sister and I actually had a cake decorating company together prior. Um, And we used to like make cakes for like people's events, decorate them and like deliver them, which was like really stressful um, in the car. So I guess that kind of primed us for this, which is really funny. But yeah, I mean, growing up together, we were always really close. We're two years apart. So we did a lot together. And I feel like we've always like done things together as a team, if that makes sense. Like I remember recently, a couple of years ago, we planned my mom's 50th birthday party and it was like a big surprise party that we planned for her. And I just feel like she and I have such different brains that we work together really well, whether it's planning like a party or an event for family or it's doing something in our business. So, um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't change it. Um, and then like our little brother, I mean, he's obviously not part of the business, but we're super close with him too. Do you have other siblings? I just have my sister actually. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we were kind of similar to you. Like, you know, I, I actually never thought I would go into business, but it kind of also made perfect sense because we have mm-hmm. such complementary skill sets, very different personalities that allows us not to be too, um, yeah, I guess bashful. Um, obviously, prior to this podcast, I said, you know, me and my sister had a bit of a tiff just before. It's so human, right? It's natural. But then we quickly bounce back and that's the beauty of it. Like we have like a big vortex of emotions in five minutes and then five minutes later, you're hugging and, you know, making up. And it's like, oh, actually, you can't really do that normally with most co-founders, with sibling co-founders. It's a lot easier yeah. to just, you know, sometimes put that family hat on and be like, um, no, no, let's just, you know, let's just, like, one of us say sorry and we move on. Totally. Sometimes ego can like, drop quite quickly when it comes to siblings. And I think that's one of the advantages um, is that you can, yeah, we can, we can be able to do that. So did you ever like um, have like, not necessarily in the business side, because we'll get to the, the working environment later, but like growing up, did you ever have, were you like fighting or were you like always just like best friends? Like were there moments of those? Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, obviously we're human. We've gotten into arguments and things like that. I, I would say actually it's interesting because we were talking to someone on our team was asking us this yesterday. And she's like joking around saying like, you know, if I worked with my siblings, like I would kill them, but you two are always so nice to each other. And I think what we, Bunny and I were saying is when we were growing up, our parents never let us, um, like fight and they never let us stay mad at each other. Like all of our siblings, like it was very much like go talk to your sibling and make up with them. And I remember my sister was saying once she had yelled at my brother for something and they just never, like they never let it go. They're like, no, you never talk to your siblings that way. So I think part of it is like, I guess how we were raised where it was exactly what you said. Like, yes, you get into fight and it's human, but our parents were always like, you you are not allowed to like not be speaking to each other. <laughs> like you need to go make up. Um, so it's kind of ingrained in us. And I think it's what, also what you said about kind of switching back and forth between business and life. Like we're able to do that quite quickly as well. Like we could literally be talking about, you know, a funny story that happened to one of us on the weekend with friends and then go straight into like a meeting right away. So I think it's just, it feels very natural. Um, I would also say she and I are both, um, it's a problem at work because we don't celebrate as much as we should. And our teams have definitely called us out, but I would say we're both very steady in terms of like our emotions when it comes to like business and life. And again, how we were raised where if something good happens, we're not like too excited, but if something bad happens, we're not also, I don't know how to explain it. Like, obviously we experience the full gamut of emotions, but like we are both pretty like 
level, I guess. I I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. I think if you're sometimes, and maybe it's like the Indian background and how we were raised, like a lot of the time your parents don't really, they're not like, oh, we're so proud of you or like don't celebrate things. So I think for us, we're just, it just is like, it just is what it is, whether it's good news or bad news. I mean, obviously when bad things happen in the business, we're sad, but But our bounce back's pretty fast. I think that's actually such a good point you raised because I think also there must be a sense of the Indian family tradition of like, you know, every time we got the good grades or something, we would go to our parents and they'd be like, great, great. But why wasn't a hundred and why 99 or something like that? And they'd be like, okay. Um, But (laughs) in a business environment, I I think we're the same. Like we celebrate our wins, sure, but we're not like celebrating it endlessly. There's like a moment of like, okay, now let's move on but then we're not so in the deep trenches of like the failures that often happen you know side by side every Mm -hmm. single day as well which I think is actually a great formula of like having that steady founder-led you know like kind of like feet on the ground but then also like not running and not going too slow like that perfect balance of pace and environment but yeah you have to sometimes adapt to the fact that when you hire a team and you build the team you're going to have all these different types of personalities and some you know would want more um stress uh when things go wrong and some people might prefer more excitement when things go well so you have to sometimes adapt right for the team but um, that stability is very good from a top level. Um, but one, one question I also want to kind of go into before we go into the brand is how you kind of got into um, law, because I know you, you, you did a bit of education for many years in different universities studying law uh, and you worked a bit in law as well. So tell us about your journey in, in this space. Yeah, so I think for me, I always thought that... Um, I would work in like advocacy. I was really passionate about like women's health and education. So my master's was in learning about uh, girls and women overseas missing a lot of their schooling due to like their period, missing up to 25% of their schooling a month, which is it has a completely detrimental effect on their future, like job prospects and everything. And, um, you know, it's, no one should be held back by their biology. So it was something I was really passionate about and also just kind of, I guess, outraged by just in the sense that, like I said, my parents immigrated to North America and I felt like that could have very easily have been me. And because my parents had put such a big emphasis on education growing up and I always was like, you know, big on reading. And I actually was someone that quite loved, like I liked school. Um, It was just really heartbreaking to think that people would be missing that much of their education just because they didn't have access to like basic sanitation or period products. So that was something that like I was kind of deep diving on in law school and then like outside of law school, because I had moved countries, I'd made some friends, but I would say, you know, I didn't have like as, um, exciting of a social life as I had when I lived in Vancouver. So I spent a lot of time in the law library, just like, you know, going down like my own rabbit holes. And at that time I'd read a lot about um, the ingredients in period products in North America as well. And that's what I was like, wow, I can't believe I never thought about this. It's kind of pre like before, um, all the companies in the U S launched with information and education about what's in period products. And, um, I had kind of just discovered that a lot of the period products have harmful, potentially harmful ingredients that they don't have to disclose their ingredient lists. And so um, I wanted to make organic period products more accessible in Canada. And so my sister and I started the first iteration um, of this company, which was um, actually a period subscription. Um, And we had organic period products. They were 100% organic cotton, got certified, and we did a subscription service um, along with education. We had actually created um, a website as well called thestatesofsexed.com with like a fully medically comprehensive sex ed curriculum. And like we had also found out that in a lot of um, Canada and the States, they don't teach medically accurate sex ed. In the States, only nine states are are mandated to teach medically accurate sex ed. So it's pretty abysmal. (laughs) Um, And it has a big effect, I think, on people's confidence and just so much. So yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to go into law and how it evolved into business. That's so, no, so inspiring. And this is why I love brands that have a true, like, founder intent and 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 like kind of purpose um there's a need for it the market uh, and, and it's true and you know i haven't seen a company that's really targeted and born this way um and one thing i have to say which is in stay with me when you sent me the products there was like um a really 
I think it was like self-care first period or something. Um, is that like, a, like everything you've done from all the touch points, it's so clear where your, where your mission is. So yes, you have a variety of products and you've gone in, you know, also a lot of different uh, avenues with, uh, from a subscription to products to Sephora, retail, everything. But the core why is still beautifully kind of, uh, you know, put throughout and sprinkled throughout the brand. So I do want to ask um, first is who is in charge of, in, out of Union Assisted, the creativity, because the brand is flying with that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you the same, actually. I'm so curious how you split roles. Um, so for us, we, I do, um, like I head up like brand product and marketing, but I will say it's, it's a joint effort. Like we, Bunny and I work really closely on a lot of things together. We also work with a lot of really talented people, whether it be, you know, designers or copywriters. And so a lot of it, and you know, this is the founder is like taking your vision and like distilling it, creating like a V1 and then bringing in like people who are really amazing at what they do to help just like elevate that. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I do head up the side of the business that is like product marketing brand. And then bunny heads up like all, all things like operations, um, and then we kind of joint do other things like, for example, retail and, and things like that. But I would say like, I, I also lean on her because it's, you know how it is, right? Like with founders, the brand really is the DNA of the founders. And so because we're sisters, it, it ties so closely in with our story. So we work on all those things. Um, you know, a lot of the time we, we work on a lot of things together and then, um, we also work on them separately and then just lean on each other for like an opinion or an approval before we finalize. What about you? I love your branding. Oh, thank you. Well, I have to say it's all my sister. I wish I could say it's me. Um, she is like, it's, it's also quite interesting because growing up, um, I was quite, I mean, I still have my hope, I think, uh, quite creative. Like I was the artist of the family. I was one painting all the, every night and I had this creative eye, but I was also quite analytical, mathematical, and I love physics. Mm-hmm. I studied engineering at uni. So I was kind of like this, like, um, I would say that person who's like jack of all trades, but not good at any one thing, just like good at everything, but not excelling in something specific. So then when creating Fable, um, Nikki is also very creative and I kind of felt, okay, I can do more the business side and everything. I could do the creative side, but then that's not going to lead to a sustainable fruit for the future. Really needs to have one vision and one clear force behind it. Yeah, and yeah. Nikki started, you know, Yes, she's good at working with also freelancers and creators and, you know, briefing. So there's not just, you know, not everything is fully her, like drawing it out, but she yeah. has the eye, which yeah. um, she's the one who came up with the name. She's the one who came up with the kind of the tiger, brief the designer, oh, everything. So yeah. it's all her. And the sayings are her. And I, I sometimes craft it a bit to make it like business and retail. Uh, yeah. friendly, because sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, even that was one of our things, you know, as you know, with being of Indian descent, like growing up, we were are surrounded by Ayurveda and certain ingredients yeah. are native to us. But then obviously if I'm going to the shelves of Sephora, can we really put even the word Ayurveda, does that resonate as to every single consumer today? Maybe it's still got time right. to go, but for example, yeah. putting things like Trifala, Bringraj and uh, you know, even Haldi, it's like, no, 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 no. You got to like translate that and make it a little bit simple because people might not understand. So she might right. have really creative names that are based on like certain, sometimes creativity can yeah. go too far. So I'm like the honer, but she's the the force that makes sense. Oh, we have that too. Yeah, totally. We're like, I feel like, yeah, because Bunny's also very creative, like like you said. So it's not like she doesn't have that skill set, but she's much better at operations than me. So there are yeah. times definitely where I feel like she's the one that like can ground me because I'm like so many ideas and I need to sometimes just like rein it in. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. But, and so the name Bloom, tell us how that came to be. Yeah. So for Bloom, we knew we wanted something that was like short, digestible, um, you know, that really could speak to a lot of people and was like easy to say and recommend to your friends. Um, and also something that could expand beyond, cause for us, we started with body care, skincare and period care, which is quite, quite broad for a new brand. And we knew we wanted the ability to be able to kind of branch into different categories. I'm not saying we will do these categories, but you know, bloom could be very applicable. You could see it being like a hair brand. You could see it being a clean makeup brand. You could see it being bloom baby. Like not that we're going to do all those things, but we wanted the ability to, um, have the 
a brand have global reach and to also have kind of um, not pigeonhole ourselves into any one category as we grew. Um, And interestingly, which we didn't think was going to happen at all, it's actually the skincare that took off for us um, more than anything. Um, The period products are actually now less than 10% of the business. And that was really not intentional. It's just our customers just absolutely the skincare works so well for them. The results were amazing. And that's what we get asked for. Um, but the name itself means like to bloom is to grow and to flourish. And so it's kind of a play on the word bloom. Um, yeah, we thought it was yeah, amazing. Like such a bold, beautiful name for packaging. And and I can vouch, you know, you said the customers um, love it. I love it. Uh, uh, as I said, we'll go through the products in a second, but you have some incredible formulas, my friend. It's amazing what you've done. I'm so can you tell that. us about some of the product uh, range of, you know, from the Milky Fate Serum to the, the acne oil? Tell us all about it. Yeah. So the two most popular are um, Meltdown and Milky Fate. So Meltdown's kind of the OG that launched right when we started the company. It's the only plant-based acne treatment um, on the market that we know of. So it has, um, black cumin seed, tamanu, um, it rosehip oil. It has very gentle anti-inflammatory and antibacterial ingredients where most acne treatments on the market have benzoyl peroxide or salicylic acid, which can obviously lead to, for, especially for people with sensitive skin, like peeling, um, cannot often create like more irritation. For me personally, when I was using those traditional acne treatments, my skin got way worse. And it wasn't until I started using like simple clean ingredients that it, it really cleared up. And so um, I think that's why that product is just such a hit. It works for so many people. And we get like long letters from customers that say they've, um, you know, tried things for years and this is the first product that's worked. And so that really drives us and is is so inspiring and motivating because honestly, we did not expect it to work for so many people. Um, And hundreds of thousands of people have like used and loved Meltdown at this point. So that's just feels surreal. And then Milky Fade is our second bestseller, which was actually um, that most requested product from like our acne prone audience that uses Meltdown. And it's a hyperpigmentation spot and scar correcting serum. And I think what's really cool about it is like three of the biggest ingredients today are um, niacinamide, vitamin C, and hyaluronic acid. And with a lot of brands, you have to layer those separately. So you need like three serums, whereas Milky Fade actually has like all of those hero ingredients at active levels in one stable um, serum with anti-inflammatory ingredients like Centella Asiatica, which is like amazing because it will actually calm and soothe your skin while still having like actives like niacinamide to to fade dark spots, um, vitamin C to brighten and hyaluronic acid to kind of plump and firm the skin. Um, and obviously, you know, hyaluronic acid is just like very hydrating. Um, so that's yeah. why that product I think is so beloved, especially for people who want like a simple routine, but still want results because you can apply it under your makeup. Um, and then the mask that you use Sunbeam, it has turmeric in it. It's actually one of my favorite products. It's highly underrated right now because anyone that uses it does tell us that they love it. But I feel like, um, you know, it hasn't gotten its spot in the limelight as much yet just with like the acne products. So it's a newer one. It's a two minute facial, which is amazing. Um, and it has like fruit enzymes, ginger. It smells really amazing. And turmeric um, at a level that's like non-staining, but still effective. So, yeah, I love that one. Amazing. And also, I, I, is it was it in purpose to create, um, obviously you have these incredible like actives, et cetera, but to have those, some of these Ayurvedic ingredients like Centella Asiatica. Cause for me, I was like, when I saw that in the ingredient list, I was like, yes, like a uh, tiger's herb, right? People, I was like, people need to know more about it. The benefits, we have it in our shampoo oh, when you have it in your, you know, your serum. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for us, it always kind of goes back to clean plant-based and soothing kind of anti-inflammatory ingredients, which a lot of them obviously are are Ayurvedic. And I don't know as much about Ayurveda as probably you do. Um, So I'm not necessarily intentional in that way, but like turmeric, for example, Haldi is in our sunbeam mask. And we always knew we wanted to create a product that would have Haldi as a hero because we used it so much in uh, wellness and beauty growing up in our family. I'm sure you did too. We ate it every day. Yeah. yeah, but that's I, even I love that even more because you're basically yes, you know you, these ingredients we grew up with, but you're also like 
utilizing and uh, infusing these Ayurvedic ingredients, but without even realizing with the intention of, I need to build it. It's, an, it's not an Ayurvedic brand. I love that because it means these ingredients are getting spotlight for like, you know, mm. just being incredible ingredients for their, for their benefits. And I think that's yeah. one of the journeys that we're trying to do with Fable and Maine is a lot of the time we get like, oh, but these Ayurvedic ingredients, are they just for Indian people? Is there, and I'm like, no, they don't discriminate. These are incredible ingredients that mm-hmm. some of them have, being diffused throughout the world like you have the ashwagandha now getting its moment you had obviously yeah. turmeric but some of these um like uh amla is starting to get big now they're they've been landlocked in india because they haven't really left the country and uh so i love when brands are creating ingredient uh, products with these ingredients because it's just they're becoming it's getting more mainstream and you know you guys yeah. I actually prefer it when it's not an ayurvedic brand doing it because it just shows they are efficacious these products and these ingredients that's amazing yes i would love to like at some point like learn more just about the ingredients you guys use too i use your hair oil like every day it's so good oh I'll, we'll do a deep dive I, I'll, I'll give you an ayurvedic detail because i'll be honest like um i know a lot about it through the last three years of building the brand like growing up it was yeah. just like either there was like phases. There was like the first five years of my life or seven years of life. I was like, these are magical ingredients. I didn't know what they were. Grandma just yeah. put it on my head. I was like, oh, cool, done deal. <laughs> but then later I started learning a few of the words and understanding what they do. And then when creating the brand, we were like, okay, but what exactly, why exactly is, you know, Centella uh, Asiatica so good for this? And why is mm-hmm. Bengraj good for that? And then I was yeah. teaching myself, learning a lot. And, you know, when I was doing live streams or interviews with editors, I was even Googling it while, you know, saying mm-hmm. it. And then I was yeah. like, ah, you start learning. And so that's sometimes cool is, you know, it's a journey of learning. I don't actually know a lot, but I can teach you a little bit about what I learned recently, which is quite fascinating with Ayurveda. Yeah. So we'll definitely do that. We'll definitely, definitely get that, get a time in. Um, but also in terms of like retail distribution, we'd love to, you know, know a little bit about, um, your plans globally, but for now you're making waves in Canada. Congrats. Brick and mortar and online in Sephora, which is awesome. So tell us how that happened. Yeah. Thank you. And I want to hear your Sephora story too. Cause I mean, I think for young brands, like Sephora is such an amazing distributor or retailer to work with. Um, they're just so incredible at partnering. Yeah. I, I love the Sephora team. I feel like, um, it feels like a true partnership. Um, so in Sephora Canada right now, we're in all locations on the next big thing wall. Um, it's honestly been very exciting journey. We actually started online on their .ca and then we launched one SKU in brick and mortar, which is meltdown. Um, and then from there, like sales were super strong. So we launched on the wall and we've actually been seeing, like we've been increasing our forecasts as the years gone on. So we've been seeing really strong sales. So we're, we're very excited about that partnership. The education piece is so important and that's what Sephora is really good at. And I feel like their teams are just so eager to learn, you know, just these things we were talking about, about the education so that they can really educate the consumer who's coming in. And, you know, our, I feel like our customers these days, I'm sure yours, are they're so ingredient savvy, like they do their research, they know what they're looking for. Clean is like very much top of mind. Um, so it's really incredible working with a retailer like Sephora. I would say in terms of the journey, like for us, it hasn't been linear. Like I think people look at brands that are in retailers and really getting in is just the first step. It's growing the brand and staying in the retailer and everything you need to do after that's the hard part and the important part. Um, and like I said, for us, it was a journey like online to one skew to the shelf and you really have to prove yourself every step of the way. Um, but yeah, Sephora is a great, amazing partner. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, some of the benefits they have is that they are acting like a consultant arm. Being, when you're in the kitchen or even in product development, they really mm-hmm. have such good, um, not only creativity within the merchants, but also they know the data with the sales and where the market's heading and how the consumers are, which is invaluable. Um, but of course, they also give you that kind of um, store space and education. Well, sometimes we have to fund it as new brands. It's not like we're there and then we just have this retail space, but you've got to like hire some field staff, et cetera, as you know, we talked about that earlier, but that's an opportunity, which is incredible because they're able to take advantage of that real estate. Um, and then you have the perfect influx of very curious, um, beauty lovers you know, coming into yeah. the store. So it's just a matter of like finding that perfect secret source of the brand to like just skyrocket it. And Sephora can do that. But a little bit about my journey in Sephora, uh, I'll do it very quickly, but I, uh, we LinkedIn messaged a, a hair merchant on, uh, Sephora, for, mm-hmm. for Sephora 
uh, a year and a half before we launched, actually, it was like earlier days with just the concept. And like, I think it was like five slides of a brand book. No samples made at this point. We just had this idea. We just wanted to see yeah. market appetite. Like, would this be a retail yeah. uh, retailer interested in, the, in launching an Ayurvedic brand? Because we noticed there was no other Ayurvedic brand and no Ayurvedic hair care brand or Indian hair brand yeah. at the time. So they loved it. They said, when you're coming into town, we were like, oh, we're coming next, like in two weeks. But obviously we just like, fakely booked the ticket we weren't like already coming so we were like we're coming uh we literally went presented it they loved it they said come back in like a month or two with some samples we'll bring the vp in we'll bring more people and then yeah before we knew it obviously a lot more meetings and a lot more negotiations we we signed a contract we worked exclusively with them at launch day one brick and mortar online in sephora us and then obviously canada came a bit like a few weeks Mm -hmm. later and um it's been well we launched day one pandemic so it wasn't exactly the perfect time for brick and mortar but amazing amazing um partnership and even to this date while we've even finished our exclusivity we've extended it and we just kept it going because there's not really another retailer we can see ourselves in for now obviously things change in long term yeah yeah and i just went to Sephora canada did my market visits met the merchants it's it is very different to US, of course, and it was mm-hmm. just so exciting to see how the consumers are different and reacting to the products um, in Canada. Also, how the education is a bit more um, different as well. And then, and really? then, I guess also the distribution geographically within like Vancouver, Toronto, and yeah. what other uh, you know cities are potentially a lot more um, opportunities for us to, to hit, especially like the. the Quebec region with Montreal and you know maybe speaking mm-hmm. more in, with French in, French speaking influencers so it was really fascinating to you know fortunately when you launch a US to Canada route you end up prioritizing the USA route and then Canada comes yeah. sort of like uh, they, they copy and paste but mm-hmm. actually now I'm going to create a lot more of a focus in Canada and you've done you know the sort of opposite way you know you're starting in Canada as your priority do you have goals to go into the US as well? I mean, it would definitely be like a dream for us to launch in Sephora US. Um, Most of our Bloom.com or most of our Bloom customers are actually in the US, about 90%. Yeah. So for Canada, it's about, it makes up 10 to 15% of the business, which is growing now that we're in Sephora Canada for sure. Um, For sure. Yeah. So the market's there. So yeah, well, we'll speak after. Let's see if I can help as well. But I think, you, you know, with the brand, it doesn't need much help. I think it's just the, the right timing and it will fly in Sephora US, I believe. It. It's got such good market potential there. And you've also got the data to prove it with your D2C, so that's good. Um, but a, a little bit about sort of a, a side topic. I know initially it was a subscription box and a different name with the the previous, but can you tell us a little bit about the Dragon's Den story? Because I've had a few founders on Shark Tank and Dragon's Den, and I know it's not for Bloom specifically, but yeah. what was that like? It's so funny because we were such a new business and we were so green as founders as well. So it was actually kind of hilarious. Like it was really fun. And I was still in law school at the time. And, you know, we did a little bit of prep for it, but for the most part, we were just like thrown into it because it was all, it happened very quickly. Um, so I f- flew from the UK to the filming of Dragon's Den and the whole segment when they filmed, it was probably about 45 minutes, but when they put it on TV, they cut it down to like six or seven. <laughs> so it's really funny when you do something like that, where it's like a reality TV pitch, because they really just pick and choose the moments that they want to show and you're just watching it and you're like, this is not how anything went down at all. But, um, I guess that's TV. TV show. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. We got one deal with, um, Joe Mimran, um, but we didn't end up actually doing it. We were just so early at the time we wanted to kind of continue growing the business, but it was just a really fun experience. I mean, we did see quite a bit of a big sales spike at the time from it. I don't know what it would be like now. Um, but it, it was, yeah, good launching pad for us i would say um and just a fun experience it's a, you know life especially in building a brand it's all about trying different things that obviously doesn't <laughs> hurt the brand or cost a lot but even when i build the brand today i'm always like um surprised how many lives you can live within the one life you're creating for yourself and creating a yeah. brand if that makes sense yeah. it, like uh i can tell you like i've had life goals that i thought were so um separate like oh i want to be in vogue one day i want to be on a Times square i want to be on this mm-hmm. show uh and then i'm like wait i can do all of it with fable and main and i have you know done all of these now with fable and main and that's pretty exciting to see how um That's amazing. Yeah, you can, see where opportunities hit and you just have to like 
try and, 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 you know, try different things and enjoy the moments. But then also you realize when you hit them, they're like, Oh, uh, when you start building more and more year in year, you're like, that's all great. I just need to focus on the revenue. <laughs> it's quite a sad yes. reality of like founders, right? It's like going to your point of getting excited. Sometimes my team is like, Oh my God, we're in Virgo. Oh my God, we won this award. I'm like, Oh my God, amazing. Okay. Now going back to the PNL, like just this thing, they're like, what? And I'm like, no, it's just, that's totally. great. We've had a lot of successes. And I think it's that immunity to also like the first time. I remember the first time we were in Vogue with a small, small little like thing. I was like filming, I bought like seven copies. I filmed like so many different <laughs> photo shoots. My camera roll was like hundreds of photos. And now we're literally in like a full page, me and my sister in the new British Vogue. And we're like, wow. oh, cool. I need to go. I still need to go buy a copy. I still haven't run to get it. And it's, it's, I don't want to say this in a conceited way. It's just the priority shift as you grow in the business yeah. to the business performance the company culture my hiring that's my that's my love and joy now um yeah. I still love all those little highs but at the same time it's not like um once you have it once it becomes quite you get immune to it yeah does that, does that happen for you I mean one that is just incredible I mean for us like we Bloom's never been in Vogue <laughs> we've been in teen Vogue the baby version um that's, yeah, it's, Vogue. That's, it's still Vogue it's yeah still... I mean one day so I think like the cool thing I think now with things like that I'm like I still have some of those things to look forward to as an external milestone, but I completely agree with you. It's not about the external milestones at all. It's about the journey. It's about, you know, who you're on it with. And then, like you said, it's so true. Like at the end of the day, all these um, shiny external validations, you know, really as a founder, as much as they can feel great, revenue is the most important thing in that growth and that feedback from your customers. Um, exactly. but I mean, and the often they time, don't result in, in revenue, <laughs> those little shiny things. So that's why as well, right? You get this Vogue and you're like, yeah. oh, I saw no traffic uplift. So it's funny. And it's crazy when you first see that and you're like, oh, like if so-and-so influencer posts or this award happens, like I'm for sure going to see sales. And sometimes you do, but a lot of the time you don't, or it's something that you least expect that does drive, you know, a ton of sales. So no, you hit, and you hit the nail on the head in that sentence. It's like, Sometimes you do, but a lot of the times you don't. I think that's like the ratio is pretty much there. It's like, it's not to say it's not worth it. It's not to say don't do it. And it's not to say it's not effective, but it is that kind of 10, 90% or 20, 80%. Like it is quite in favor of it doesn't often convert, but that's okay. Like I'm not going in hoping that my added tutorial in Vogue or my award entry cost is actually going to result in the ROI. I'm not saying I'm going to spend 500 pounds to enter this award. And if I get it, do I get 500 pounds of sales? Like it's not that kind of game. It's a, it's a positioning it's, and it's an awareness thing. It's that kind of, you know, top of the funnel, not bottom funnel kind of exercise. So yeah, definitely yeah, it all kind of compounds over time. Like there's certain things we've done where yeah. like, oh, we don't really know if this did anything, but it's like, oh, a buyer saw us and they reached out or, you know, an investor and, you know, it just kind of compounds over time, but you, maybe there's no direct ROI or spike the day something goes live. Exactly. So, so for you, what is the future of Bloom? Apart from, I, we know the obvious of growing the business, expanding retail globally and even uh, D2C globally, but for you as a founder, where do you want to see the brand go? Yeah. So I think for Bloom, I mean, the, the most important thing for us we've realized and what is most exciting to our customers is the, the efficacy of the products. And I guess I would say like functional kind of targeted um, products and treatments is what we are more and more kind of um, incorporating into our innovation pipeline. And it's more what our customers want. So that's really exciting to me because I feel like I never thought I would be in the beauty space. And part of it is I just don't want to launch things that, you know, already exist or aren't needed. Um, For us, it's really about filling a white space and solving a genuine problem. And so that's why we don't launch products as frequently. Um, But we do have some really exciting ones coming up in the next couple of years that I'm really, really stoked about um, that are like, you know, made in collaboration with our community. So I would say without kind of giving it away, a lot of um, targeted problem solution products that are requested by our customer base. Um, and then just really um, focusing on that education and that content to bash taboos and stigmas, normalize experiences that are normal and no one should ever be shamed for. Like, I feel like a lot of um, my experiences growing up with brands where you only saw perfect Photoshop skin, like a razor commercial would never show hair. And that's changing, which is amazing. Just on that one as well. Um, how do you find as a brand founder it's hard because 
there is really positive change happening in the industry. But then sometimes it's like, we can overthink it, right? You have a campaign and then you have like mm-hmm. a choice of one model or three models. And it's like, there is a reality. I'm being honest, I'm being candid, where it's like, do you, like, if you choose three different models from three different ethnicities, it's like, are you being too, like, marketing? Do people perceive it as you're just trying to, like, tick boxes, right? But it's not. Secondly, or do you just go for, like, um, uh, very diverse range of models do some people will be like well you know is it why don't you also just go for three high fashion models like it's hard because now there's like this shift in um sort of i guess um opinionated and you know trolls online and people can just say whatever they want to say um do you ever get sometimes a bit like in crossroads of like decision making when it comes to now like things like this Yes. I think in the sense that like, I do feel that, you know, we could be doing more in terms of diversity where, you know, diversity is not just different ethnicities, but also different body types. And like, are we showcasing people with different experiences and um, different ages? I mean, there's so much, it's like layers. layers. Yeah. And I think for us, um, a lot of what it comes down to is just to remind ourselves who um, our core customer is that we're serving at Bloom and for us, like our, although we have customers of all ages um, and people that purchase from our products are from all different like kind of backgrounds and everything, our core customer in Muse is Gen Z. And so when we think about, um, you know, who we're including, uh, we just want to make sure that our Gen Z community feels very reflected. And I mean, there's always room to improve. But our very first shoot that we did at Bloom was actually um the models were all friends and family. (laughs) And so we didn't go through an agency or anything. So for us, we wanted it to be as authentic as we could to really reflect in the DNA of the brand, like our community so that it felt genuine. And I still think that shoot from the very beginning is the best shoot we've ever done. It just, there was some kind of magic with it. Um, We still use images from that shoot. Um, Yeah. It just, everything worked out so perfectly. And there were people from different backgrounds. I think we had four models, but it wasn't like, it was just organic. Yeah. It was organic. Yeah. And it was genuinely like, here, these are, these are the girls in our community that we know, like love to like model are great in front of the camera, but they weren't like professional models by any means. We didn't Photoshop anything. And then from there, um, it would be again, like quite organic, I think, um, where we would just DM, we would find all of our models, our team would find them on Instagram. And a lot of the time it would be like who fits the vibe of like the product, if that makes sense. Um, so for our turmeric mask, um, we actually had an all women team, like behind the camera art directing in the shoot. And then we had people from all different, um, backgrounds that used turmeric, uh, growing up in their wellness routine. So they could actually share that in the campaign. So I think that's another part of like, for us, the authenticity and the diversity is not just like who's in front of the camera, but who's behind it, who's on the team. And then actually showcasing um, those stories as well, because we, I feel like it's not just people, but it's like their personalities and how they grew up. And that's what really makes our community feel seen. I love that. No, thank you for sharing that. I think it's so important as well for people, founders and people listening as well to realize a lot of it is also fueled this, our decisions subconsciously, but also consciously mm-hmm. on our customers. So the decisions are yeah. often made by who we're seeing buying or, you know, who we're seeing uh, interacting. And that is the reality of it. And that's the right way to build a brand. So it's like, um, you know, we're adapting. It's always adapting based on who we're serving. And for Fable, we've had, you know, comments sometimes being like, you never go, that's why I say the first part, because you'll never fully please everyone because everyone's got some form of opinion. And yeah. we've had comments saying, oh, you're an Indian brand. Why don't you just have all Indian models? And why do you, uh, you know, why don't you, you know, it's a bit underrepresented. I'm like, I'm absolutely agreeing. That's why I put also me and my sister as the faces because founders are also underrepresented, but also we're both South Asian and, you know, uh, we want to have more South Asians on, on the billboards and on faces. Totally. But at the same time, our customer base is actually one of the most diverse customer base. I remember our first market meeting from Sephora, we had like pretty equal split of like customers, um, ethnicities. So we have to look at that data and also look at our customers and be like, well, we do need to also put all types of skin tones and hair colors and everything, you know, on our and hair types and textures on our yes. ads because our customer is very diverse. So I think that's, that's very important is that's one of the driving forces. And if it isn't apparent to the business, people should start losing that data 
as a way to build your future, you know, whether it's campaigns, but also MPD, all that stuff. So yeah, very, very important to just mention that. Um, But before we get into fire round questions, I do have a kind of a mean desert island question because I know it's like, you know, choosing between your babies, but I'm inviting you to a founded beauty retreat, but I'm being very strict. I'm saying, Taryn, you can only bring one product with you. So what's your one go-to? Oh, that's really good. I think it would be Milky Fade. I feel like it's just so effective for so many people and so many different skin types. Amazing. What about you? I, Milky Fade. I told you, like, it's, my, it's in my staple. Um, I, I obviously, like, I, I do date around because I get sent a lot of skincare products from brands. That's why when, I, when you asked me yeah. before the we were recording, sure. I was saying, like, that Milky Fade serum yeah. is, is in my, it's in my, I, I, I do try and test, but that one is my go-to. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that up. And, and, and I, you know, it's important to also mention like as a consumer, my issue is not, um, acne. I've never had acne, I've never had pimples and, but your product is great for like, you know, I have a bit of discoloration. I get tanned a lot. Um, so it, mm-hmm. it it's not really for the spots and the scars. It's more for my discoloration, which is what really well yeah. for it. So What's your go to, what would be your um, Fable and Main product? My, my favorite Fable and Main, I, I love our hair oil. It's our, obviously it's our business wise, it's the best skew. Um, but um, I personally am just obsessed with a hair mask. It's just every time I, I travel with a mini of it, it's when I do my wash day, which isn't so frequent once a week, it's my savior in terms of like my hair just feels like I've had like a mini Brazilian blowout in a way. It just feels so soft and smooth after a week of just putting a hell of a lot of product and wax and creams and so like right now it's like all like greasy so tonight I will mask but I do a double mask I use my hair oil and mask together as my little hack because my time is quite fleeted so if I don't have time to leave the oil in overnight I would put the oil and mask together in the shower leave it on for like 10 minutes while I'm like scrubbing or whatever and then I wash it out so I got like the strengthening and the growth and then the kind of anti-frizz taming hydration with the mask so yeah. Okay. So, Tyron, fire round questions. First thing that comes to your mind. The first question is, what's another beauty brand you're currently loving? And of course, Fable and Maine, we know that. But apart from Fable, what's another beauty brand? Oh my gosh, this is such a good question. Because like you, I, I get gifted a lot of great product. And then I also spend a lot of time in Sephora stores. So... Yeah. It's like an isn't it isn't it the worst combination like i'm like trying to shed beauty brands i tell my team like please like come take what you want i get sent so much yeah and i still go to sephora and i still buy 500 dollars worth of product and i also i have this habit where um i really like to support brands yeah. and um and founders i also like even if they send it i'll, I'll buy on their website too and then i'll just support the, the, the stuff so i also do that and then i'm like okay, I'm not, I'm, something's wrong. I need to get checked. Like, why? Yeah, you just got to do like a lot of gifting or something. I know. <laughs> I know. So yeah. But yeah. Same. So what's yours? Oh my gosh. It's so hard. I feel like, uh, well, I mean, hair, Fable and Maine, I'm really into right now because you guys have just have so many products. And I feel like during the pandemic, I started taking care of my hair more. So it was like perfect timing. Um, yeah. I'm really actually into the Live Tinted SPF right now, HueGuard. Have you tried yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. And they've, done a, and they've done a jumbo one. Yeah, I, I'm very close with Deepika. And like, um, I remember when she was, we had a lot of calls where she was like talking about creating it before it launched. And I was like, yeah, like you, uh, for, you know, people like me, melanated skin, I just never found a good SPF that wasn't white cast. And, and it was, her formula is incredible. Yeah. It's so good. Like it smells good and it yeah. also like absorbs so well. I actually find myself like I want to reapply it. So I'd say that's probably one that I'm really into right now. Nice. That's a good one. I like that. I stand for Lip Tinted uh, and, and Deepika is a badass. She's amazing. So yeah, definitely. Agreed. What's a guilty pleasure of yours? I don't really feel guilty about it, but I guess it would probably be just like coffee and chocolate like I can't live without those two yeah. things I've like I've thought about quitting coffee at times I'm like is it like making my you know me crash during the day but I'm just like a coffee addict I could never live without it and then um, yeah chocolate I'm the same I'm the same uh, both are dangerous combinations because in in excess they can be very dangerous <laughs> yeah. but a little bit of it every day it's a must it's a must um what are you currently watching or reading 
So I'm really late to Stranger Things, but I am watching Stranger Things and I'm obsessed. I'm not really someone that, like, I don't watch a lot of TV, but um, I just, I started it this year with my boyfriend and it's so good. I'm not even on season four yet, but I love it. Um, reading. Oh, when you watch season four, you're going to love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I'm excited. Everyone's been raving about it. Um, reading. I mean, I'm always reading something, but at the moment I've been reading The Untethered Soul. Um, I've read it before, but I'm like rereading it. It's really, really good business book. I'm reading this one, The E-Myth Revisited. I don't know if you've read this. Ooh, no. Is it good? It's okay. Yeah. I like it so far. Um, yeah, I always kind of have like one like businessy book and then one other book on the go. And I just like read bits of them when I'm like going to bed and traveling. Ooh, I put that on my list. Yeah, by uh, the Gerber. Yeah, so that's a good one. I'm going to, I like to like ask that question because I can then also like, I don't have to like, uh, I have like a endless list of like founder recommendations. So that's good. Yeah. But yeah, Stranger Things, um, fun fact, um, they, they use Fable and Main in all their sets and in, in all their, in all the trailers. And it's their go-to oh hair God, care products. So cool. I was actually just on a call with the hair department just before, and then they were, she was told, telling me um, that it was um, it's like their ritual. They give every uh, actor like an oil massage, and then they wash the wigs out with our hair mask. So pretty cool. Yeah. So and Sadie Sink cool. said it was her favorite shampoo and conditioner in a Glamour article and stuff. So it's like really cool to see how like this like Fable and Main works in TV and in like in Stranger Things. It's like I never thought that day would happen. So that yeah. is. Seriously incredible. I know a friend of mine, um, their company is called Inkbox and they have, yeah, um, yeah, like the cast uses that. And then actually there's Amazing. one person from the show that uh, posted about Bloom in like an interview she did. I don't know. Do you know Priya Ferguson? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's that's... so cool. I feel like like we, we, we were just like so stunned by it, but I, that's she's, so cool. She's the that's... sister of um, yeah. one of the, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. She's a really good season four. You're going to love her. She's so awesome. I can't uh, wait. That's so cool. Yeah. Isn't it funny how um, when the brand just like pops up from places and you're like, oh, I know. Oh my gosh. We're always so surprised by it. Yeah. yeah, and then and, and then, then that's why like I I go deeper into it and I figure and I I like asking that I used to pick up a Zoom call with whoever I find a lead. I'm like, how did you first discover the product or what was the reason? And it's incredible because you don't. Yeah, sometimes those are the moments to stop, take a moment as a founder and learn a bit more and, and figure out and celebrate those wins because it's they're, they're exciting. Yeah, congrats. Cool. Oh, th- thank you. Thank you. No, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, so next question is what is your favorite social media platform right now? <laughs> I mean, that's really tough one. Cause honestly, I would say I have like a love hate with Instagram mostly because of work. Like I actually have two phones cause I don't want, I don't like going on Instagram too much. I check it like twice a day now. Yeah. Um, and also like, I don't know if you did this, but for me, like I follow so much content that's just related to work that it just scrolling is just like work and I don't have a separation. So that's why I just have two phones, one with like just the bare bones, like my like text messages and email, and then another phone with like social and everything. So that actually works really well for me because my screen time has been like way down since I did that. Um, but I would say probably Instagram. I am not a big TikTok person. I know everybody, like my sister, like she can get lost on TikTok for hours, but for me, like, I just like the dog videos <laughs> yeah. and I feel like the rest of TikTok, like it's hilarious, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I think I'm just too old or something. It's like not my go-to platform. What about you? The good thing is the for you page can really just like be dog if you want it to be. It will, it will learn so much about you and then it will be very, it's dangerous because it can be so perfectly curated for you. Um, yeah. But I, I, I still am an OG, which is weird saying OG because it's not exactly like the newest social media platform, but. Instagram, like I'm still, that's my favorite. But I, I, an odd TikTok spiral day where I'm just spending an hour on TikTok just yeah. scrolling is not bad. Yeah. And that's also good because I use it as like an, as a kind of way to find new creators. So like I'll like, sometimes like mm-hmm. I go to my Fable and Main TikTok and I'll just start looking in there because it's more curated yeah. for like hair care influencers or yeah. wellness influencers. And I just like send the profiles to like myself and say, contact these people because they're that's cool. Great. Yeah. Do you make a lot of TikTok content? I need to get better at that. Like it's one of those things where I definitely personally do not want to, I have no interest. I have no time in my mind, yeah. but I'm going to force the team to like someone to like film me and create stuff. Cause I know it works and I know it does. It's an, it's an important marketing tool uh, as well. Yeah. So it's hard yeah. sometimes as a founder to like, 
yeah make time for things that you're just like i know it's important but i just can't be asked i know <laughs> like, I'm, I can't, I'm definitely I'm not going to be doing the dances and stuff no 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 none of that. But, <laughs> yeah. um my next question is what's your favorite quote or mantra i really love like when i when things are hard at bloom i always just kind of remind myself to always go back to my why and to kind of build from my mission so that's kind of my mantra at bloom i would say because um so much changes, like, you know, these last couple of years, the iOS changes and like the channels that you're using. And for us, like, I feel like we've just become like the queens of pivoting because of like our, what our customers tell us, like even just the shift from when we launched mm. the full line and our customers really seeing us as a skincare brand before we saw ourselves as a skincare brand. So I think for me, it's just as long as I'm always going back to the mission and the why, then the what can change and evolve. And I think that's really important because for me, I truly believe that a big part of success is just not giving up. And so, um, yep. Cause I think at the end of the, every workday, like you feel like there's just, like you said, so many things can happen in one day, like amazing things, but also really hard things. And it's easy to get discouraged. I think if you kind of don't zoom out and look at the big picture of your mission, your why, and I think what you're doing, like talking to different founders is so important because it reminds you like everyone's on their own journey. Every company and everyone experiences so many different challenges and you just have to keep persisting. Um, and for me, that like why yeah. and that mission is like what drives me. Because I think without that, it would be really hard to like wake up every day and like, you know, get punched in the face, like not literally, but, nice. <laughs> you know, and then just kind of get up. That's the right. That, for me, that's, I'm, I'm very similar to you. I think that's why post this podcast, we're going to connect more because I feel like we have so many, apart from being a sibling founder brand, so many similarities. Definitely, so, definitely. definitely. Let me know yeah, if you're in yeah, Vancouver or, I mean, I'm sure you're like in New York and Toronto often. I'll make a visit. I, I want to come because I also want to, from a market, t- you know, I hate as a founder, I have to always like, be like, I'll come with a business purpose, but that's not that. I, sometimes I should just come and enjoy Vancouver, but I am also business-wise thinking like it's a good market for me to, like a good area of of Canada to like also really understand because Mm -hmm. as you said before off the podcast like east and west coast there are different types of ways you can market the product in in Sephora you know some of the biggest um like Sephora stores like some of them are are, like I mean most of them are on the east coast but a lot of them are on the west coast as well like Metropolis and Robson like the flagships yeah yeah down there um exactly and we've got these like now um they're giving us these, uh, they gave us these like end cap, like these like four shelves. So I want to like see them and like understand how to maximize the opportunity there, do training. So definitely I'll be coming and I'll let you know. But my last question before we, we wrap it up um, is if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what would you be doing right now? So that's a really tough one. I do sometimes think about that. I think for me, I'm pretty passionate about like the pet space right now. So I feel like that might be something I never intended to be in the beauty space. Yeah. It just happens sometimes. Yeah. Like where I, I feel you, <laughs> but, but why pets? Do you have, do you have pets? Yeah. I mean, I have dogs. I'm just like a oh. big dog person. I just feel like there's so much room for like innovation in the pet space. So maybe that's something I'll do one day, <laughs> but that's also yeah. just today. If you ask me this in like a week or a month, that'll probably change. There's just like, I don't know. Yep. Kind of chaotic with like what I'm excited about. What about you? I kind of, again, I ask myself and I like asking this question because I want to like, you know, see other people. I'm, I'm, I think I'm like very similar where I want to definitely have a tethered connection to everything I'm doing, maybe to a greater course. So like, let's say my brand right now is all about helping tigers. The next thing I do, I want it to mm-hmm. still help tigers, but it could be in different like, wow. a, like a universe of, of products so it could be oh, like cool. even like let's say I, do, I create a pet care brand that's for cats and then the proceeds go to big cats like that's a connected line you that's know so, so I'm cool. definitely open um I also had ideas of wanting to be like a document like film documentaries or maybe mm-hmm. building a vegan sh- restaurant like I have no idea but I know um I will know when it's time, but I, I definitely will be doing multiple yeah. things. I want to reinvent myself in a lot of phases of my life because I think that I'll have a total super enriched life. And also I get bored of things quite quickly. So after five years, I might want to do something more than Fable and Main because um, I, I, just to keep, and you know, still keep it running or still build a team. But I don't think it, um, I can be, you know, in one space for like 50 years. I'm not that kind of mm-hmm. person. So yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, but so it's been 
it's such a pleasure to speak to you and so many um, nuggets of wisdom you've shared with us. So I know a lot of people will be inspired, but I want them to also continue to be inspired by being able to follow you. So what is your um, social media platform um, and also for your brand Bloom as well? Yeah, thank you. This was great. It was so fun meeting you finally. And I'm so sorry for all the time. Nope, but we made it work. We made it work. We did. We did. Um, my Instagram, so the, the brand is Bloom at B-L-U-M-E. And then we're just bloom.com. And then my Instagram is Taryn underscore smiles. So just my name, T-A-R-A-N. Perfect. Well, I'll put all the links in the summary below so people can just go and tap away. And uh, please do follow Taryn and Bloom. And if you haven't tried their products, you know, it's in Sephora, Canada, um, on the website too. I think you guys ship in North America and Canada right now, correct? Yeah. Amazing. Um, but um, follow because it might be available in more places and more countries so you can stay up to date very soon. So uh, Taryn, I'll see you very, very soon in Vancouver or if you're in London. And in the meantime, we'll just do regular Zooms and catch-ups and yeah. This is a friendship just starting here. We're not, we're not stopping at this podcast. I love it. I can't wait. I haven't been to London in years, so... We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Hopefully soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the ACAST Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable of Maine goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.